You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Today is 8-Minute English, talking about punctuation, part 2. Hi there, welcome to 8-Minute English. These are five more punctuation points. Avoid multiple punctuation at the end of a sentence. Okay. Sorry, Gideon's back. Hi, Gideon. Hi. Hello. Multiple punctuation at the end of a sentence. What does that mean? I have no idea. Okay. So it's never... <laughs> what does that mean? Multiple punctuation? Well, comma, full stop, question mark. Exactly. Well, 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 when would you put multiple punctuation? It's... I can't think of any example. So here it's saying that you shouldn't have a question mark or an exclamation point followed by a full stop. No, um, of course not. Well, this is an obvious one, isn't it? I think so. I think it's quite obvious. Sometimes people do an exclamation mark and then a question mark and then an exclamation mark. You know that mark. I have a doubt about that. I've mm. always, all my life, I've had a doubt. If you say something like, are you mad? Should it be a question mark or should it be an exclamation mark or should it be both? Mm. I don't really like the both thing. You don't? It is a question, but mm. it's not really a question. It's a rhetorical question. And it is an exclamation mark. So what do you do? Mm. People have been debating this for hundreds of years, by the way. Someone invented a sort of question mark, exclamation mark as one a punctuation point, mm. but never caught on. No, it's curious, isn't it? The best thing to do is just stick with one of them, isn't it? You shouldn't have more than yes, one. Yes, indeed. Use a colon to introduce a list only when the introductory text is a complete sentence. We've spoken about this, haven't we? The general rule is that if an introductory text can stand as grammatically complete sentence, use a colon. Otherwise, mm -hmm. do not use a colon. So that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, so you okay. have an example. Here it says, please bring the following items. So here, colon, a flashlight, a comfortable pair of hiking boots, and a jacket. The other example is just using a comma. Please bring a flashlight, comma, a comfortable pair of hiking boots, comma, and a jacket. Fair enough. We talked about that last time. We did, but that's a pretty good one. Use commas to indicate non-essential information. If it's an explanatory matter, can be omitted without changing the general meaning of the sentence. It should be offset with a comma. I met For... my friend John mm -hmm. a long time ago. Would you put so a comma there? Would you put a comma? I don't think you would, would you? There is an example here. It says America's oh. first president, comma, George Washington, comma, served from 1789 to 1797. Oh, okay. All right. So you're adding some extra information. Yeah. yeah. America has only one first president. And therefore, you're identifying by name is not essential to the meaning of the sentence. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why you're putting the commas in. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Here it says use a dictionary. I mean, obviously, using a dictionary can help you with punctuation, can't it? I suppose it depends on what you're trying to use. So here it's saying about USA, which is u.s.a or USA without the dots, what would you do for that? Does it matter? I think it should have the dots, but most people, including myself, probably write it without the dots. It's just too clumsy to mm. win dots all the time. Same with NATO. No one writes N.A.T.O. Yeah. NATO is one word. Sometimes when there's some confusion, you might put the dots like AM, but usually not. I usually wouldn't put the dots in, even though you can correctly. I suppose probably if it's a common thing, for example, AM... We all know it's a.m because yeah. everybody knows what it refers to. I guess you don't yeah. really need the dots, right? right? Whereas you probably need the dots if it's not a common phrase, I would argue. So sure. if you capitalize, then you really know that there's probably going to be some dots there. That indicates that it's an acronym. They don't need it. I live in the UK. You wouldn't put a dot between the U and the K, would you? 
No, you wouldn't, but you would see it like that, wouldn't you? You just put it in capital letters. Yeah, you just put it in capital letters, wouldn't you, yeah. invariably? It is obviously correct to put the dots in there as well, isn't it, really? You're really, really pedantic then, yeah. <laughs> or if there's yeah, any chance yeah. of ambiguity of something else, then maybe. If there's any chance of ambiguity, I suppose that's the best. Maybe some acronyms, yeah. There may be some word means something else. Certainly. And here it says, if in doubt, rewrite. The easiest way to solve a difficult punctuation problem is to avoid it. Why are they so difficult? You have to rewrite it just for the sake of punctuation. If it seems a bit confusing or it, it doesn't look quite right. I've gone through this a few times with my student, Julia. Italians will often make it a bit too long just because of the way Italian is often written. So if you're translating it, I generally say, I don't know how you feel about this, but I would say keep it to three clauses maximum per sentence and then therefore you're not making it too long. That's just school. They said you should try and keep your sentences 10 words maximum. Ten or words. Sometimes there'll be exceptions, but just as a rule of thumb. What so about I, the clause idea? Would you say that? Fair enough. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, maybe three, maximum four if you really need it. And obviously, you yeah. have to put your commas in the right places. Well, Try not to make it more than that, definitely. Yeah. Otherwise, you're starting a new sentence, aren't you? I thought I'd add some extra things on hyphens. They can be used where a prefix is added or where there are letter collisions or in family relations. And there are many words that have been hyphenated in the past, but have since dropped the hyphen and just become a single word like email and nowadays. So these kind of examples that I'm talking about, things like cooperate would have a hyphen, post-colonial, sister-in-law, great-grandmother again would have a hyphen, son-in-law and anti-nuclear would also have a hyphen. In some cases, though, a hyphen does change the meaning of a sentence. I'm thinking of recovering my sofa. Here there is a hyphen between re and covering. It's to put a new cover on it here. And I would like to recover my sofa. So it's without the hyphen from somebody who has borrowed or stolen it. It's getting it back in some way. You could also use a hyphen with compound numbers from 21 to 99, 80 hyphen 9, 30 hyphen 2, etc. And also in fractions, you would place a hyphen between the numerator and the denominator, except if there is already a hyphen in either the numerator or the denominator. 69 89ths, 9 hundredths, 2 hyphen fifths, 1 hyphen third, 3 hyphen tenths. Again, just to recap, you can use it with compound adjectives, which we talked about in part one. France has a 35-hour working week. He won the 100-meter sprint. 35-hour, 100-meter. Dashes can be used to add parenthetical statements or comments in much the same way as you would use brackets. Often in formal writing, you should really use a bracket rather than a dash as a dash is considered less formal, but dashes can be used to create emphasis in a sentence. Or you may think she is a liar, dash, she isn't. She might come to the party, dash, you never know. Hyphens are not separated by spaces, while a dash has a space on either side. I think we've covered everything with punctuation. Did you want to add anything else? No, that's fine. Excellent. So thanks for joining me, Gideon. You've been listening to A Minute English.